All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome to the Ben Fama Jr. Show. I am your host, Ben Fama Jr. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Uh, we do apologize a little bit for the uh, slight delay. I'm having technical problems. For whatever reason, the software wasn't working correctly. So um, we'll just get the show started and see what's going on. So anyways, I'm excited to have my next guest today because we're going to talk a little bit about conservatism. We're going to talk a little bit about philosophy and definitely talk about our, um, our new show coming up. So... Uh, my next guest is a conservative commentary talk show host by the name of Javier Javier from the Javier Javier Show. So please help me welcome to the show the one and only, the legend, Javier Javier. How are you doing today, buddy? Yeah, yeah. What's going on, Ben? Uh, What's going I'm on, good. man? I'm glad to have you on the show for the first time. How are you doing? <laughs> I know. It's long overdue. I uh, just finished the YouTube studio, as you can see. So I uh, would have definitely preferred to be on a lot earlier. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. and tell people what we kind of got going on. Right on. Cool, cool. Well, okay, so here, so here's the thing. For some people who may not know a little bit about you, I want to actually get introduced, like, who you are and what you do. But um, first off, tell me a little bit about the Javier Javier Show so, so the audience kind of gets to know what that's about and who you're about. All right, so host and creator of Javier Javier Show, make sure you say it twice. That's J-A-V-I-E-R. And basically, I talk all things politics, religion, and culture. Those are the top three right there. And basically, it's all about, you know, keeping up with current events, uh, giving my commentary on things that's going on in the media, the news, sometimes in pop culture, especially concerning the black community, hip hop. And, you know, if it's popular, I'm probably going to talk about it at some point. Uh, definitely uh, have guests on from time to time. And we talk uh, debates, uh, sometimes conversations, interviews. So it's a wide variety of things for those people who are interested in great conversations. And sometimes it gets really philosophical. Right on, right on. And you and me are going to be having a show coming up, too. I just want to talk a little about this today because we're going to talk a little bit about conservatives. I mean, Javier and I are probably on the opposite sides politically about stuff. But uh, actually, we have a really good show that's getting ready to come up, too. It's called uh, Two Sides and One Coin. You want to talk a little bit about that, what that's about? Oh, yeah. Two sides, one coin. There it is. You see it. Um, it. It's basically a conservative and a progressive uh, coming together, meeting of the minds, trying to see if we can uh, figure out what exactly we're doing in America, in the world, trying to see if uh, two people on the opposite sides of the political spectrum can have uh, intriguing conversations and agree, disagree here and there on different subjects and see where we meet in the middle and try to make sense of it all. So it's definitely going to be some heated moments, some funny moments, but uh, I look forward to having this conversation with you. I think we have great chemistry, and if anybody who's seen us talk before, they already know what they expect. And that's what I'm saying, too. Like, I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's, I think it's going to be a good conversation. I think it's going to be a right balance of everything. That's what I think. I don't think it's going to be like – I think a lot of stuff these days is really super obnoxious, like what people do and stuff. So, yeah, we might debate whatever, but there's a lot of stuff we actually have in common and stuff. And even today on the show, we might talk a little bit about politics and conservatism, but I definitely want to flip a little bit over into some philosophy because I think that's just as interesting. So if you guys are into some mind-bending, like, philosophy shit, we're going to get into that stuff too. So oh, yeah. stick around for that stuff. Now, Javier, one of the things I was I want to know about you, man, is like, how did you get into politics? Like, why did you decide to go down this road of politics? Like, wh what got you started? Yeah, um, my story is basically a story of uh, crime, punishment, uh, redemption, and uh, atheism to politics. Uh, so my atheism led me into the political world because the atheists around me bought politics to me. I was never really political. Um, 
I really didn't have much opinions on policies or political leaders, presidents of that sort. Never even crossed my mind to think about it. The only thing I thought about was when I was doing time in juvenile that if Barack Obama got elected, I would somehow get released (laughs) from jail. (laughs) But um, really, uh, the atheist community is very, very political. And as I became an atheist, I didn't even know what an atheist was. And as I got into that uh, world, I started talking to more and more atheists and they were bringing up a lot of political issues to me. And a lot of the things that they were saying just didn't resonate with me. So I decided what better way to find out where I stand but to look at the issues. And as all things, I consider myself to be somebody who thinks outside the box. And uh, it took me in a different path than what most people would have expected. And that's basically how I got involved in this whole having a show at all because people thought my perspective was unique and wanted me to share those thoughts. So that's basically how I got into it. I think Donald Trump really kicked me into starting my own show, honestly. Well, it's a, uh, so how did you... Okay, you're saying that there was atheists that around you and stuff. So how did you get even involved with even like looking at that? Like, was it like was it an offshoot of like doing something else? And and then how did that lead you to conservatism? Yeah. So uh, all right. So I was really wrestling heavily with um, my my faith. I was a Christian, uh, a very radical Christian at one point. Um, I took it so seriously. I remember the Bible saying that people pray so hard that the earth shook. And that's the type of prayer that I wanted to be a part of. Um, And the Bible says, seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And I took that literal. So I tried to understand as much as I possibly could about God. Um, I started studying under a theologian um, in uh, the University of Augusta. And he basically was breaking down what the translations of the Hebrew Bible, the Greek, and he was teaching me the language and he was trying to show me all of these different things so that I can be closer to God and understand God more. But the more and more I started to look into it and learn, the more it just started making no sense to me. And I read the Bible four times front to back. So I tried to save my faith as I was going along and I got out, I joined this very cult-like church and it just went downhill from there. That was my last attempt to try to save my faith. Things didn't go so well. But so I started looking into YouTube videos and watching Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, all of these, the four horsemen, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was just blown away. Just the fact that these people were articulating something that I was feeling. And I didn't know it was a whole community of people out there who thought just like me. And uh, things became very political in the whole religious versus atheism debate people were talking about uh what policies religious people support versus atheists so um i started meeting atheists here and there i I didn't really know too many atheists in the real world but the ones that i would meet they would uh, very much try to get me involved politically and just some of the things that they were supporting i just just didn't make any sense to me so i just started to look at the conservatives, I started looking at the liberals, I started looking at the independents, the libertarians, and just the conservative philosophy resonated with me um, because I was somebody who really believed in taking complete ownership of my life and uh, not necessarily put yourself up by the bootstrap type of conservative, but more of controlling the things in your life that you are in charge of and doing the best with what you have. And that's what's something that 
I really trapped doing my life after a life of crime that I found myself into. Uh, so it was just one thing after another that really resonated with me with the conservative philosophy. And then Donald Trump came out and uh, it kickstarted me into actually being outspoken about my conservative um, ideals. Do you, th- do you think that uh, you were, do you think maybe you were always conservative, but then you realized you were conservative? Or do you think that's, that maybe you, that you were at a different position than you came to that, to that belief? Of conservatism. Yes. Like, do, you, do you feel like you may, maybe you were always a conservative but didn't realize it? Or do you feel like I was more liberal, but then I changed to conservatism? That, that's a hard thing for me to actually uh, put my finger on. <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I was definitely one of those uh, kids that had to be in the very front of the crowd. Like, I wanted to people to know that I was the leader and I was always going to be the leader. I was a very aggressive young man. And I wanted to live free. I was all, always about being an outlaw. So I could never say that I was truly a conservative. Um, my mind didn't even go in that direction as far as taking ownership for my life. Um, I think the moment I started to turn into a conservative may have been around the age of 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was due to the fact that my father took um, responsibility for the armed robbery charge that I got uh, locked up for. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, he said that it was his fault that I was locked up because uh, he was my father and I should not been out in the streets um, searching for a victim and going out to harm somebody. And if he was being the father that he was supposed to be, that I wouldn't be in that situation. And that was the first time I ever had to question responsibility. Um, And I think that was the critical moment in my life where I wanted to be responsible for all of my actions and to not be ignorant and foolish enough to think that life uh, choices don't have consequences. And that might have been the beginning of a conservative thought or seed in my brain that may subsequently led me to the path that I ended up on. That's interesting because oftentimes, like, I mean, like, do you feel that he was responsible? I mean, I mean, because I, I like anytime I've ever gotten in trouble with the law, I've never really directly blamed my parents. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if, the same as if my own child got in trouble with the law. I don't know if I mean, I do think it, 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 it there are instances where it could be the parents and bad influence. But did you really think that really was? Do you think your dad was a bad? I mean, we don't have to get into it if it's too personal, but no, no. overall, it's like, do you think that that was a true statement and that, you know, related to that? Uh, over the years, at first, my initial reaction when he said it, my first reaction was, it's not your fault. I did this. Like, nobody told me to do this. I mean, I had arguments with my father. He would, uh, he tried to send me, he was thinking about sending me to a group home for boys because uh, I was always getting locked up or I was always in a police car, always getting in trouble, getting expelled or suspended from school. Um, so I thought it was all my fault. He did everything he could, and it was somehow uh, nothing he could do. I was too far gone. But as time goes on, I ask myself as an adult, what is the, what is the role of a parent but not to protect that child? Uh, what is the role of a parent but not to protect other people from their child? And I don't know what the answer is or what he could have done to stop me. But overall, I do think parents are responsible for their kids. And 
uh, it's a, a parent's job to make sure that their child is developing and turning into a productive citizen in society. And no, you can't save everybody, but right. he does have a, 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 a responsibility. And I'm not trying to shift the blame off of myself, but I was yeah. 15 years old. My brain wasn't even fully developed. That's why you have parents. So yes and no. I do blame him. Uh, I think he is responsible, but also uh, I still have to bear some responsibility for not listening to him and going my own direction. Do you think conservatism pulled you out of that? Uh, what exactly do you mean? Pulled uh, me out of maybe maybe the lifestyle, the way of thinking. Like, do you do you feel like when things started to change and you started making different decisions, do you think a servant played a role in that, or do you feel that like it was just a natural progression? Like, how much how much did your politics play in your development to like who you are now? You know, that's a that's a that's another good question. Um, that. There's so many different angles, and I can never really truly diagnose why I turned out the way I was. I think part of it was due to intelligence. Part of it was due to my nature. Um, I was always a hard worker. Even before I started doing violence or things of that sort of crimes, I would pick pecans and sell it to the um, the elderly in my neighborhood, and they would pay me $10 here, there, $5 there. So I was always a go-getter, always motivated to make my own way in the world. So that might be due to nature as well. Um, but I mean, J. Cole, for example, he's a hip hop artist. He really, yeah. he was therapy for me. Um, I would spend nights in my jail cell listening to his mixtapes and started changing the way I saw things. Um, you know, you don't have to be a street dude. You don't have to be a gangster. This is not cool. Um, that was part of it. I had great, great, um, role models in my life, my GED teacher and, you know, some of the counselors that was there. I had mental health problems that I was dealing with. Um, I was getting therapy and all of that stuff and people who were really there for me. So it took a whole lot. And I could never say it was just conservatism, um, but I definitely think that that could have been part of it on how I ended up where I am today. I have a strange story, so <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of hard. Yeah, because I think that's what I'm trying to figure out, too, is, is also like, um, were you influenced by, I mean, were your parents conservative at all, or were they just apolitical, or I mean, it, was anyone else in your environment conservative at all? No, I don't even, the only conservative I can say that I possibly know is my father, and I never knew he was a conservative. He never taught politics with me. Yeah. Um, my dad is a very spiritual guy. He's a Christian. Um, he never taught religion with me. Mm-hmm. Um, my daddy showed me gangster movies and films growing up. He introduced me to The Godfather and Goodfellas, and I wanted to be those guys. Um, mm-hmm. So I never really had an experience with atheism or conservatism. This is something that kind of like I identified with when I came across it. It was like, you know, that's me, you know. Uh, yeah. And it might it might be something you're going through in life, and you don't realize nobody else is going through it as well until you meet somebody. You're like... That's what I'm going through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. you came with it pretty much on your on your own, like free thinking. Like you were just like I came. I because I I think that's the same thing I, in the same way with me. Even though I know I'm more progressive, it's it's more. I it's it's funny because I I. I I don't, when people say, well, were you ever a conservative before? It's really hard to know. It seems like I was, but I don't know. Cause I wasn't very political when I was younger, but obviously once I started to come up with my own like identity and politics, I started to realize everyone else around me was conservative. I mainly like, I, I didn't even like, obviously when you're younger, you don't talk about politics, but as I grew up, 
everyone I knew around me was basically conservative. I mean, my father's conservative. Um, a lot of my friends are conservative. I, so I grew up with that kind of conservative mentality. And I think I even argued points that were conservative, but not all of them. So I, like, like there were some points I think I pretty much was you know, liberal. So that's why I was wondering is how much was the influence of your environment, which is even more weird that I am more progressive because I would be probably a conservative. I think, I know it sounds funny, but I think like a conservative, but I'm a progressive. I know that sounds yeah. really weird. I've got the, I kind of <laughs> got the, the, the aggression of it. There's still some things I, I don't know. It's really, yeah. it's hard to explain, but it's hard to figure out how, you, you know, you come up with that worldview on your own. So you, you, you found conservative. Donald Trump kind of threw you into the spotlight with that. So where are you at now when it comes to how you feel about like the Republican Party and conservatism? Because my, my biggest beef right now with conservatism, where we're at now, is I feel like the party has completely lost touch. I think Republicans have completely lost touch with like, with, with, like reality, with like, I, I mean, there's so many things that truly upset me. And do you feel that conservatism now is a reflection versus the Reagan era conservative? Like what kind of, cons where do you see yeah. conservatism right now? Well, uh, I think I would find myself in the same position as any liberal or um, somebody on the left. Uh, I never conflate conservatism with the Republican Party. Though the Republican Party claims to be the party of conservatives, that, not, that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It might be the only party where conservatives feel like they have a home, but there should be conservative Democrats. There should be liberal Republicans. Uh, I think we should have different-minded people within each party. I don't think the party should be exclusive to people who are conservative or who are liberal. Um, but I, I argue, I argue with myself about this all the time. There is a different sense of what conservatism means to each and every person. Uh, there are conservatives who would tell me I'm probably not a true conservative. And I know other conservatives who tell other conservatives they're not true conservatives. Um, and these days, I don't think conservatism is purely based on a, a philosophical position. It's more based on what tribe you align with. Um, who are the people that's most like you and think like you? Mm -hmm. uh, um, not necessarily based on the values and the principles that's been discovered over time and written down. And, you know, I, I don't, and I'm more into that kind of conservatism. I care more about the philosophical side, regardless of what the Republican Party does or what politics go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I feel like People will say, oh, you support the Second Amendment. You must be conservative. Well, what if I support the Second Amendment, but let's say I'm also uh, pro-choice? Like, where do you draw these lines? And yeah. more more so, you said that things were kind of weird for you. And I wanted to say, we're living in weird times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Unfortunately, you're absolutely right. And and I mean, I, I, I criticize that without the left, too. And I think that's, I think that's why, because, like, it's... You know, as I've gotten older, I've become more progressive because I, cause I was probably more conservative before. But it's almost like it's weird, though, because even when like even when I see my family or I see other people like I don't feel like they were like this before. And like it's, it's not like we're having a debate about like taxes, like we might even disagree, like, you know, taxes or the Second Amendment, even which is funny. That's probably the most conservative value I have. I'm you know, I'm, I'm pretty Second Amendment, even though there's a line I probably draw before, like someone like you does. You know what I mean? But I probably agree a lot more with that than most liberal. Most liberals, I um, argue with me about that. That's, you know, I'm in the same position. They're like, you're not a real liberal. I'm like. Mm. Fuck I am. I, I believe in climate change, you know, but I, I think these discussions aren't 
like the part that frustrates me right now is isn't even these disagreements on like policy. It's like fine, we disagree about it. I think what bothers me, and th and see the the conservatives I knew, like even my own father, didn't do what these conservatives are doing right now. Like uh, my father is not a Trump supporter, even though he's a Republican. Like he voted, he's a like he's got his flag in front of the house, supported George Bush. He's a fucking you know Christian. He's against abortion, but he doesn't support Trump. And all these Republicans that are doing the things they're doing now is not the image that I had when I was younger mm -hmm. about what Republicans actually were. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like how, it's conspiracy theorists, fucking. I don't know. Whatever the fuck this party was, wasn't what I remember about the Republican Party, even if I don't agree with everything anymore. Yeah, this, this is why I say that conservatism should never be dependent upon any political party, uh, regardless if uh, the Republicans who are in office right now claim to be conservative. Not some of them may be, um, but I don't think Donald Trump was ever a true conservative. Um, mm -hmm. Nowhere near the sense. Uh, but also, I don't want to be a no true Scotsman fallacy here. Um, Donald Trump, some would say Donald Trump is the most conservative president we've ever had. Uh, I've heard that claim as well. I'm just, uh, I'm trying to really understand uh, the position we're in. Um, liberals and conservatives should be working together. We're like, yin yang, we're like push pull. And like you said, uh, we might disagree about tax policy here and there, and we have to debate that out. But when it comes to that side is evil and this side is pure, and that whole tribal mentality, that's no way to actually get anywhere. But I will say, um, more than anything, when I when I say conservatism, I I tend to really think in this way. I want to live in such a way that the government is not necessary or barely necessary. Mm -hmm. I want people, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunties, friends, neighbors, to live in such a way that we rarely ever need the government but for a very few things. And right now we're stuck in this place where it's so many people who just have an agenda, who want to take advantage of one another, to where the only way for us to feel like we're being treated fairly in society is for the government to get involved in every single thing. And it shouldn't be this way. I would prefer to live in a world where we didn't need a government at all. But it just so happened that there are nefarious people out there and we have to account for those people by force. Mm -hmm. So my conservatism is if we hold on to certain values as mankind or the people within this country, then we won't need as much government. And of course, every philosophy needs to be updated and changed according to the times that we're in. So I would say as a conservative, in my opinion, I want to conserve the things that work. And if they don't work, we should get rid of them or we should alter them to where they become more useful. And, you know, some things are outdated and that's just the way it is. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is, is that that's always been the thing I've argued against is that there's some things that just don't work anymore. And it's just but, but it's almost weird because it's almost like if you question it, you're not you're not being um, 
like loyal to America or you're not like, like it's so weird because like even with the Democratic Party, I have a lot of problems with the Democratic Party and their corruptness. Like it's kind of like it's the less of the two evils for me. It's almost like, well, because they support science and climate change. You know, like I support some of the major, like my biggest platform is obviously science and education. That's like the number one thing for me. Like if you can't respect fucking facts or science, I can't support, I don't care who the fuck you are, you know? So it's almost <laughs> like I have to play with the devil because there's there's problems with these corporate Democrats and shit now, and I don't like like get rid of the fucking Clintons, get rid of the fucking I don't I mean I I voted for Joe Biden because there was a gun to my head. Now people say, well, you could have still not voted, and I was like, I almost didn't. But to me, Trump was such a horrible, horrible president on many different levels, and his bullshittedness that it was like. If he was a Democrat, I would still be the same way. Like, I, I, I mean, you, you know, I, I don't give a fuck if you're a Democrat or Republican. If he was in the Democratic Party, I still would have went after him. I don't give a shit. It's, it was more about him and his character than it was that he was a Republican. You know, I didn't feel that way about John McCain, which is weird because yeah, I know the Republicans Donald, hate John McCain. But I, I didn't Donald hate Trump John McCain. Didn't bother me as much as uh, it, he may have bothered somebody like yourself or other people. And the reason he didn't bother me as much is because one good long look at history, most world leaders have not been the most noblest people. Uh, I think for most of human history, we've had some horrible, horrible leaders in all over the world. Um, I don't necessarily mean that being a horrible person may be what's suited for the job in the in the case that we're in. Now, is Donald Trump suited for the times that we were in? Um, I'm not intelligent enough to make that conclusion. I just don't know enough about the world of politics. But what I will say is America, in my opinion, is on the verge of collapse if we keep down the path that we're going. And it's just we live in a world now where we're not just the only superpower who is going to reign supreme forever. We have China who's trying to outcompete us on, on every level. And I take that very seriously because China ain't going to be as nice as an America. Yeah. And a lot of times we're so busy fighting about race and gender. And a lot of it is just people being involved in people's lives they have no business being in. And if we, if we really just want to get down to the brass knuckles of it, you know, being a conservative is about how you live your life and how you vote. Now, you trying to control other people and how they live their life? I don't... I don't think that's the smart path to take. Um, somehow conservatives have gotten into their minds that if they don't tell other people how they should behave and act, that somehow it erodes their philosophy or how they choose to live their lives. No, you can build, you can send your kid to the school that you want them to be at. You can dictate whether you homeschool your kid or not. You don't have to send them to a school you feel like they're teaching their child something you don't want to know. But a lot of times... We're both playing this game. We want the government to solve all our problems. And that's a, a liberal thing and a conservative thing in America these days. You know, Donald Trump made big promises. I'm going to bring back all the jobs and I'm going to do all of this stuff. I'm like, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to get out of the way and let people do what people are good at. And, you know, let's look out for each other. You know, if I see you sick or something, I got a few dollars that could possibly help buy you some medicine or something. I should step up to the plate and do that. And... A lot of times people just don't want to be that person. It's like that not in my backyard mentality. Um, and I think really we're becoming so divisive on all of these small things that we're missing the fact that we're competing on a world stage. 
And if China dominates us, none of this crap we're talking about right now is going to matter at all. And I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but <laughs> no, it's cool. It's, like, I, like that's why I'm trying to figure out because it's hard to have these conversations with each other, and that's why I'm asking because it's like. There's days like I do wake up seriously pissed off at the Republican Party and Donald Trump. But I also feel like but I'm, I don't think I'm also as angry for the same reasons maybe other liberals. Are. I mean, there are things I have in common with other liberals and why I'm upset, you know, but I also don't think I'm as outraged for the same exact reasons. Like mine is like for a lot of the things I have for Donald Trump was just him being a fucking complete bullshit artist and a con man. Like his entire life he's been. It's more about him as an individual. Again, I didn't have this problem with Romney or McCain. You know, like I said, I can disagree on policy. I might even say, okay, well, how do we deal with China and stuff? But I think there's a different level of like, you know, whether I agree or disagree on a policy versus the character, not just the character of like, oh, someone's good or bad, but the like the danger of being that much of a fucking con artist. Like he was going, I mean, right now we're finding out that he was going into the Department of Justice trying to like, you know, get information on fucking Democrats. You got people storming the Capitol thinking like, our, uh, that the election was stolen. I'm like, how do I rationalize with people? Like, this isn't even like about policy anymore. This isn't like about taxes or first, second amendment. Like the, people are literally not even like, I didn't like that Donald Trump got elected. And I even fought back when they, when they wanted to have a recount and do all that shit on Donald Trump. I was like, no, he won the election. We don't like it, but he still won it. But like, now I'm seeing all these people going out of their way to like, like to steal my fucking vote. Like as a, as a person that believes in democracy and freedom, it's like, whoa, I, like, here I am trying to fucking vote and do the right thing, and these motherfuckers are storming the fucking Capitol. They're doing recount after recount because they think that there's some fucking thing happening. I'm like, what? I don't, I don't I know mean, how to talk to, to these people. To be fair, to be fair, the Democrats have claimed the elections have been stolen before as well. I mean, Stacey Abrams claimed that her election was stolen in Georgia. Uh, they said that uh, George Bush was an illegitimate president. Uh, I... A lot of times we, we, I'm not saying, oh, the Democrats are worse than the Republicans. And I'm not saying the Republicans are worse than the Democrats. I say a lot of times I've noticed that they flip positions a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like one minute they're for the filibuster and then it's not in their favor. Then they want to get rid of the filibuster. And both. And it, it just seems like everybody wants to break the rules when their team is winning. Or, yeah. you know, but really what it really is, is we're being hijacked by the extremes. We think that. The, the far left or the far right are the true voices of what it means to be liberal or conservative. And that's not real. Most mm. Americans get along. When you go outside, you see society is still functioning. People are not like killing every other. Like if I see a liberal down the street, I'm not going to go down and murder him. Right. You know, for the most part, people are functioning in society. And Unless you're on an airplane. Nowadays on an airplane, motherfuckers just beat your ass out of nowhere. I don't know why, but <laughs> fucking weirdo. Yeah, man. yeah, true. And what I what I feel like is we've already lost um, because we don't believe we have the power. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe the far right and the far left is the ones calling the shots. But it's more of us than it is of them. And until people just start to realize that I don't know what else to tell people. Twitter is not real life. It's just not. And news reporters are literally quoting tweets from random people as news about a particular situation that happened. This is where we are in America. But I'm not concerned because I know most people are rational and sane. 
And if you can't find them, you're just not looking hard enough. Uh, but Do you think we're as rational and sane as, uh, as, as, I don't actually think we're as rational. And maybe this is where we can even get into a little bit of philosophy. Because, I mean, I, I, I definitely want to talk like politics and stuff. But I think you're actually bringing up a good point that I want to bring up about philosophy. Do you think we're as rational as we think that we are? <laughs> uh, I think that maybe seven to ten percent of the human population is rational, um, and that's over a certain threshold. Of course, we are we are all irrational to a certain extent. Uh, we all hold irrational views at some point. Stuff stuff that contradicts each other. Uh, for example, uh, if I'm for the free market as a conservative, how am I supposed to say I don't want things to change? Um, you know, innovation breeds progression and changes and you're going to have to account for those changes you can't have both you can't be fully free market and then at the same time when they create all these new technologies and people want to do things that they have the luxury of doing that they didn't have 300 years ago you can't be upset about that see these are contradicting um ideas that people hold at the same time mm -hmm. um but when I say seven to ten percent of the human population is actually rational above a certain threshold, uh, then you have the majority of humans who are just followers, and there's nothing wrong with being a follower. We don't need a uh, hundred queen ants; we need worker ants, and that's perfectly fine. And that's about seventy percent of the human population. They just go where the leaders and the the ten percent takes them, you know, and. Without that, then you got the 20%, and those are the people who are on the far extremes and the people who are like, they don't know how to function in society. They don't, uh, they, they're not good with authority. They're not good at following the rules. Um, they just don't quite sit well with the way things are. And sometimes it's detrimental. That's how you get your terrorists and you get your white supremacists and, you know, all of these different uh, radicals, um, the extreme religious. And those are the people... That 20% is the ones that make it bad for everybody else. And mm, somewhere between that 7 to 10% of the rational, sometimes they go haywire and then you get a Hitler or somebody who takes advantage of the 70% by using the 20%. So <laughs> it, it fluctuates in between that. But for the most part, most human beings don't think rationally over a certain, maybe over 60% threshold. Yeah, you know, that's a funny thing because, you know, obviously being a skeptic, I always thought, you know, oh, well, and I even th I think I even heard that, that, you know, something about I don't know if it's in Adam Smith or whatever that or somebody that thinks that, like, you know, we're more rational than we think. But, you know, I'm starting to think that we're actually not as rational as we think that we are. In fact, I think there's a lot more. I think we are rational. I just think that we're far more emotional than rational. And when emotion takes over, that's more power, like our logic centers shut down in our brains and where it's hard for us to make decisions. And I think what's happening, this is just my personal opinion. I think what's happening in society is that there's so much stress and anxiety and fear that's creating anger that's causing people to not be able to um, think straight and think critically. And then when I think that happens, I think we revert to kind of an animalistic behavior. I think that's what you're seeing in society with all this like violence and extremism. I mean, I think it's why you see riots on one side and you see terrorism on another or vice versa. I just, I, I, or people punching people on planes or road rage. People <laughs> like, I think what's happening is there's so much stress and anxiety happening in people because there's so much uncertainty and shit that it's I making think it's one thing. People are sexually frustrated. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, okay, Freud. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yes, Freud all day. Um, people are sexually frustrated. I mean, we live in an era where people, men and women, you really think it's that? I mean, do, are you being facetious, right. or you think that's or that's I, your real? I'm, I'm about eighty percent sure. I thought all these percentages. Look, I'm not giving statistics on at this point. I'm just giving rough guesstimates. I'm gonna have to debate you on that one, actually. Yeah, yeah, and, and we could go there. Uh, <laughs> But I think we live in a society now where men and women's roles are so uncertain. Um, you know, women have been empowered and, and nothing wrong with being empowered. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have. Uh, but the roles are so in flux and so confusing. Men don't know what to do with that. Um, so there are women who don't, who say they are strong and independent, but yet they still want a strong a male person to be with. They want a, a male relationship. They want a relationship with a male who's strong and independent as well. And sometimes we don't know where to draw that line because I'm speaking to averages here. Um, some women like a, a timid guy, but for the most um, part, uh, women want a guy who's a leader and he's competent and, you know, all of those things. And right now, men don't know what to do with strong, independent women. And so the whole dating scene, the whole marriage scene is so confusing. A lot of guys either quit and give up and they live in frustration because they can't find a partner, somebody to mate with or whatever the case may be. A lot of women are frustrated because a lot of men are just taking the back seat, still living with mama at the age of 35, playing video games. Uh, so if people ain't getting it on sexually, they're going to find a whole lot of other things to complain about. And if anybody who's been married and for a while, if you and your woman or your man is not getting it on, you'll complain about other stuff that has nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll find stuff to complain about just to take out your frustration. <laughs> that is Okay, so I'm, I'm going to have to debate you on this one because, I, you know, I, it's an interesting theory, but I don't think it accounts for a lot of things because I don't think that's what's – I mean, there's people that are living happy lives. They've got great relationships that are acting out and doing stuff too, and how do you account for that? Plus, when it comes to women, I mean, just like any group of people, not all people are even the same. I mean, not all women are trying to be independent. Not all of them are trying to be not independent. Like, there's so many variables that happens there, and yet we're still seeing – a breakdown even throughout the world so it's like all of a sudden it's like are we saying that all of a sudden now everyone's just like having less sexual relationships and how do you know yes. that though i mean yes. how do you know that's what actually happened because there's uh, it's no, a theory it's a yeah theory. It's, well, I'm, but, I'm not saying but based off of fact. what but that's what i'm saying on a theory even on a theory where are you getting your evidence from like that's well, what i'm saying where do you base it off of all right we live in the most uh prosperous time in society um if if i wanted to pick any time to live throughout human history, I would probably pick right here, right now. Uh, I mean, just the fact that I can turn AC on and I don't have to burn up in the sun. That's a beautiful, amazing thing. Trust me. I, I, if there's a God, I thank him for AC. <laughs> <laughs> so why is it that people are going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs in one of the most prosperous times in human history? And then I ask myself, social media. People would rather be on their phones instead of talking to each other at dinner. They're so consumed with, you know, trying to be like the person who just took a vacation photo and put it up online. And now they feel like that's their life. Why can't they live like that? There, there's so much access to everybody else's life. People are consumed with what's going on in the world. 
that they don't have time to invest in their own personal friendships and relationships. People are more depression than they ever had before. People are committing suicide at higher rates. So much mental health problems that people are facing. And then and some of it may be due to the fact that we just didn't know in the past. And now we have the knowledge to, to understand certain mental health issues. Mm-hmm. But in the most prosperous society, when people are killing themselves at high rates and people are more distant than they ever been, I mean, who's getting laid? I mean, people are getting laid, of course, but it's not meaningful. It's, it's you know, some girl you met on Tinder and y'all had a one night stand. But, you know, building long term relationships and marriages and stuff like that, I think is uh, in crisis. And people people don't even call their mamas these days and talk to them like they should. So, of course, it's a human connection problem. And I just take that to the next level and say, you know, uh, I've been in some relationships where the sex was amazing. And I didn't complain about anything. <laughs> well, but you know, that's anecdotal though, right? I mean, cause you gotta admit that's like, you know, cause here's my, here's my theory on it. I think the, I think for me, what I actually see in the world is, is that we're, I mean, we're creatures of survival. Anytime that we're stuck in a survival, even though it seems like we're in a super prosperous time, we have some of the highest wealth inequality that we've ever had especially in this country. Like the, the, the separation of the rich and the poor is, is huge. I think technology is advancing so much that our 30, you know, thousand year old brains or million year old brains aren't able to keep up with all this stuff. And I agree with you with the social media stuff. I think it's making us more separated, but I also think that um, ideas are being presented to us at such a high rate now we know what everyone's thinking at every given moment. People, you know what I mean? Before you really had to like go out, either you saw it on the news or you saw it in a movie, whatever. Now everyone's opinions are everywhere. So everyone's being challenged at every given second. Plus, I know when something's happening. Like it used to be when we were hunters and gatherers, we only knew what was going around in the small crowd that we we're at. Now I know what's going on on the other side of the world. Like if something happens to you, I know on social media. So it feels like it's a closer connection, even though yeah. you and me are hundreds of miles away right now. You know what I'm saying? Thousands of miles away. So it's, it's like there's this sick. kind of like, a, it's, it's almost sick. like the world has actually gotten smaller and it's made us more distant in it. But economically too, when you start to see a lot of like what's happening in the world with like oligarchs and fucking rich people, like they're literally fucking like bastardizing the system <laughs> everywhere. We're seeing it in Poland. We're seeing it in fucking um, Russia. We see like uh, systems that we would rely on in a democracy being taken over by a group of and this has always happened through history. This isn't anything new, but it's getting to the point now where it's like, it's creating a real sense of threat. And so I think people, especially in America, are stressed the fuck out. And especially right now, because we had the coronavirus, we had you know all this stuff, turmoil with politics and everything. I think people are literally in a survival mode and any species, I mean, if I put a, a dog in a super survival situation, like I, you know, I really like wore his ass down, he'd start snapping back at me. You know, I pushed him into a fucking yeah. corner long enough. And I think that's what you're starting to see is you can see it with people, how they type on the internet. Now they're bringing it out into the real world. They're, 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 they're acting animalistic. You get what I'm saying? And so I, I think it's just fear and anxiety that's causing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that, it's, uh, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Two no, things. All right. I think it's all due to sex. <laughs> and the reason I say it's all due to sex is because you can't beat Mother Nature. Mother Nature is what it is. And most of the behaviors and the things we've done in society is to propagate and to carry our genes on to the next um, generation. 
everything stems from that. Men's, women's uh, interactions, uh, men who set the standard for what the dominant male is and what women desire and male selection. We're competing with people all over the world. We used to only compete within the tribe. Now, you know, a female can see a, a rich guy that lives in Miami and then she sees you who makes maybe $35,000 a year and she's dreaming of that guy. You don't stand a chance. <laughs> I, mean, I don't believe that either. I, there's plenty of women out there that don't give a fuck about that shit. They literally don't. They would rather take somebody that, that is more caring and nurturing or someone that has a good... I mean, because that's the thing is in our society that we're taught to believe that you have to be this big, rich, whatever. To say, but there's a lot of women out there that are like, no, I want someone that fucking like, respects me. You know what I mean? That someone's not going to beat my ass. I mean, there's so many different women. I mean, come on. Think of how many couples that are out there, like old couples that have been around for like 60 years, like in their 90s. They're just average, ordinary couple. They didn't date the guy because he was some big ass. It was some guy who yeah, owned like not, a muffler shop. It's not necessarily shop. like who has the the biggest muscles or who has the most money. Uh, it's a lot of factors that women decide on when who will be a suitable mate. It might be intelligence. It might be being kind. It all depends on the world you're living in. What survival mechanisms will ensure that your next seed? So that is always constantly changing. But what I'm saying is, whatever that is, whatever that standard is, the market has become so, um, what do you call it, um, so saturated. It, it's so many people in that pool now, because now you're competing with guys all over the world or all over the country, whereas we didn't have that problem before. So you got to really stand out, um, which is why the best time to meet somebody is in college or high school or you know somebody you work with. Because if you're trying to find love on the internet, you'll find real, like, it's really hard to find love on the internet. But that's neither here nor there. The second, the second thing I want to talk about was uh, I don't buy this whole argument that this whole wealth gap between the rich and the poor, I, I, don't, I don't see that as a problem. And I know you touched on that, but I think Americans are spoiled. I, I, I really think they're spoiled. And I, I think that Sometimes we overplay that hand that the rich is getting richer and the poor is getting poor. Um, I, I necessarily think that, no, the poor is getting richer as well. They're just not getting as rich as fast as the rich is. And there are people without jobs in this country who have cars, cell phones, flat screen TVs. Um, people have a refrigerator full of food. The poor is getting richer. They're just not getting rich as fast as the rich is. And as long as we're comparing ourselves to the richest, of course our standards are going to be um, much higher. Of course we're going to feel like we're being cheated. But, I mean, nobody was complaining when Bill Gates made Microsoft and it made everybody's life easier. Yeah, he got super rich off of it, but he made our lives much, well, much easier. they were complaining about it. They were complaining about, um, in fact, that's why they had to break up the company, remember? Because they were worried about him monopolizing the entire market. Yeah, they had the government come after him because he was, he was be, in fact, other people hated Microsoft because of the practices that he used in order to make Microsoft bigger. You know what I'm saying? So they did yeah, have a problem with him. At the same time, they complacent because... At any given time, you want to stop giving your business to somebody, feel free. Like, people complain about Amazon all the time. Amazon didn't pay any taxes. Amazon is mistreating their employees. Okay, if that's all true, which I believe it is, 
Um, stop buying Amazon products. Take that 25-minute ride to the store. So what Maybe if they have a monopoly? Them. What if they have a monopoly? How, how are you supposed to do that? How do they get a monopoly in the first place? That's well, the question. That's yeah. That's what I'm saying. They, most businesses uh, that are, are billion-dollar corporations or whatever nowadays, their goal isn't just to be a capitalistic market where you're competing. Their now goal is to take over the market, so there is no competition. Yes. That's yes. not real and capitalism. As soon as we just, as soon as we recognize that that's what they're doing, I expect my fellow brothers and sisters in America to decide. You know what? We're not going to allow this, and we're going to stop shopping there. We're going to stop buying Amazon products if we are bothered. People are. Let's just be honest about it. You can't complain about Amazon, but every time you turn around, you got packages from Amazon arriving at your door. You're a part of the problem as well. You can't sit here and say you have no like no blame in this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, get real, people. Like chocolate, for example. There are child slaves who help produce chocolate, and nobody, for the most part, cares about that. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll complain to the government. We need to stop this. We need to stop. Well, how about you do your part? Let's start there. And then once you do your part, and if that doesn't work, then we take it to the next step. But nobody wants to actually put in the hard work. They want the government to do it for them. And I really think if you got a problem with Amazon, let's all collectively agree. Let's stop shopping there. Either one, Amazon is going to change because they have no choice if they want to survive as a company. Or two, They'll go out of business and somebody else will take that spot. So you think the free market can solve that problem? Yes, because people okay. only support what they find value in. Do you think that same thing applies to people on Facebook when they say, oh, uh, we want to control Facebook when they have a right to take anyone off of their platform? Shouldn't people just start another social media platform? Well, the thing about Facebook is Facebook has certain protections that they shouldn't have if they're going to be a publisher. They sh like, for example, my telephone company, T-Mobile doesn't get to tell me that I can't talk about certain things while I'm using their phone because they're not a publisher. They don't get to decide what I use their product for. They just provide me a platform to do so. If Facebook wants to be a platform, that's one thing. But if they want to start deciding what can go up and what can't go up, then you're a publisher. You're, you're actively choosing what you want published on your platform and what you don't. Then they need to be removed from those protections. Like, but I'm all for Facebook deciding they want to be a publisher and deciding what goes up and what goes down. I'm 100% for that. They just can't be getting benefits from the government while doing so. So what's the difference if I say I have a bar and I kick someone out because I don't, I don't think that this is the place for them to have these type of, con I mean, there's, I can't just walk into a yeah. bar and say whatever I want to say in a public area. And it's, it, what's the difference? Well, I mean, one can ask, well, if you feel that way, then would you be for them not letting you come in because you're uh, a white guy? No, or, but that's or, being racist. That, but that's that's different because that's not somebody's speech coming into my establishment. As a business uh, owner, I have okay. a right to tell someone, okay, this Let is my establishment. And these customers aren't here to hear. These customers didn't come here for political conversation. They came here to have a drink and have a good time. Facebook wasn't designed as a political platform. And if we're going to make it that and do whatever and, and cover it under this, like the telephone lines, I'm like, well, then we're going to have to use regulations. So is the government supposed to solve that? No, 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 no. Because uh, that's what they do with the phone line. The phone is regular. The phone lines are regulated by the by the government. 
Yeah, but the government doesn't get on there and say, hey, you can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. The government because doesn't Because it's regulated by the government. The government's the one enforcing it. Because if not, it would be a private company and they could do whatever they wanted to. They could, it's the same thing with the FAA and communications. There's certain things I can't, I can't go on Fox News or CNN and just say whatever I want to say. There's certain regulations I can get fined for. So do we want the government to come yeah, in? Yeah, but and those have are publishers. Like uh, news media and platforms like that, they have to be responsible for the things that they put out. Facebook, right, but Facebook is have, not a publisher. That's what I'm trying to get at. It was a platform of communication. Exactly. It's no they different than you me sitting at a bar. I, okay, let, let, I used a bad example earlier when I said because you're a white guy. For example, let's say you're Jewish. Should they be able to not let you in when you come in with your hat on and dress like a, somebody, a part of the Jewish tradition? No. You shouldn't be able to kick racist. them out because of that. No, that's racist. That's not based off of... Uh, no, no, no. It's based off of their religion. You could be a black Jew. You could be uh, an Arab Jew. I mean, just the fact that you are a practicing Jew. No, not necessarily. Or if you're, if you're a Christian or a Muslim, let's say a Muslim goes into a bar, it would be wrong for them to kick them out because they're Muslim, right? Technically, yeah. All right. What is the difference between an ideology on your religion versus your political ideology? They're all just thoughts in your head. Okay, but the difference between an ideology, sometimes the ideology, the ideology can actually be harmful. It can actually cause harm so and cause... So can a religion. Huh? So can a religious ideology. As long as you're not practicing the part of that ideology. It's one thing if you come in as a Muslim, but it's another thing if you come in saying, I want to destroy the World Trade Center. Like, if you're not coming in being ideological behind that, right, then you're not really imposing your ideology on people. You're just saying, this is who I am. But doesn't mean you're talking about it. But if you come into my bar and you're talking about wanting to blow up the World Trade Center, I have every right to kick you out of my bar. Because what about yes. my freedom? Yes. All right. Now, check this out. If Facebook says that they don't want to be a political platform, then they should ban all political talk from all political sides, period, flat out. But to pick and choose which side that you're going to allow to talk politics and their position versus another side because they disagree with that side, now you're playing favorites. But why, but, but why does that even matter? Because let's say, for example, they said, you know what? All we want are liberals on this platform. Why don't they have a right to do that? I mean, they're a, they're a private company. They're not the government. If they, if they decided, hey, we want only liberals here, they have a right to say we only want liberals here and kick all the conservatives off for whatever reason. Well, then I wish they it's would a business. Say it. I wish huh? they would say it. They, no, no, I'm not even saying that is there. That is, I, I'm not even saying that's yeah. Facebook's MO. I'm just saying even if that's – because that's the argument I hear from conservatives. They're like, well, they should ban all political speech. But even if they decided – let's say – forget politics. If they said all we want are people that uh, like Chinese food on our, our platform and then that's it. They have a right to do it. They're a private company. We may not like it. I mean I've been banned how many times? I fucking hate it. But at the same time – Facebook. Me. Dude, I get banned all the – and, and there's – like literally I just got banned for saying something that wasn't even like – I fucking said to fucking some dumbass I was arguing that, you know, um, I give because I was talking about how I, I I win a debate against him. And I said, oh, I'll just give you enough rope to hang yourself. They banned me for that. I, I didn't tell him to take the rope and hang him. So I, I get there's certain things. I'm like, hey, this is getting out of control. I'm not trying to say all of it is wrong. But most of the stuff they're really trying to combat on these platforms is disinformation that's causing harm in society. And I think there's a responsibility for any established, any business that's going to do that. Again, if I have a bar and someone comes in and they're talking about how they think the COVID vaccine is, you know, giving me magnetism or whatever else, I have a right to say, I don't want you fucking here. My customers don't fucking want your ass here. But what if, what if, what I'm if not the responsible COVID for your bullshit. Was, what if the COVID vaccine was doing that? Okay, fine. Go do it on, make your own bar then. You know what I mean? Like you even said, go but start your, 
Like they started the uh, like start your own social media platform or blog. There's nothing stopping these people from going and doing. That's the difference between the freedom of speech that everyone keeps talking about. Because on the reverse side, they say, well, they don't want the government interfering with freedom of speech, right? They don't want Facebook, which is a private company that could do whatever the fuck it wants. There's nothing stopping them from starting a whole other social media platform and doing it themselves. They I have a right to you. say that. But what's the difference between them turning around and then saying, oh, we're going to ban critical race theory in schools because that's the government telling people that they don't have a right to say something like that's that that, that, that blows my mind. I'm well, like, wait a minute here. That actually uh, is freedom of speech. And they're fucking putting a halt on that by the government. That's not no, Facebook no, 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 doing no. that. The, gov the schools are government funded or government owned. It, that, it's, a, it's a difference. Well, uh, all right, let's let, let's address a few points because uh, I agree with you on certain points. Mm -hmm. um, Facebook is a private company. They should be able to do what they want. The problem is you got to make your rules clear. If I go into your establishment and I want to purchase a TV and then I buy that television, I take it home and I put it on my wall and then every Tuesday you show up knocking on my door and I'm like, what do you want? And you're like, oh, every Tuesday I get five hours with the TV. I'm like, whoa, whoa, you didn't tell me this when I bought the TV. It's like, oh yeah, we just changed our terms and conditions. Yeah. Uh, or you didn't read the fine print. It wasn't clear enough, but it's there. The, the problem is Facebook doesn't do a great enough job communicating what their standards are, and they constantly change them. How do you, how am I supposed to know when I buy into a product that they're not going to change it up on a way that puts me at a disadvantage later on? And the second problem is not all of the issues that people are debating about politics are settled. As soon as you start to take a position one way or the other, not all of these things are black and white. Like the whole trans debate and issue, it's not a black and white situation. So the moment you, Facebook starts to tell somebody you can't say certain things about trans people, well, now you're you're taking a position where the science hasn't even been settled yet, and people don't even agree on this one issue. Now, some things science has a full answer on. Now, if you want to debate whether or not gravity exists, then we have a pretty much almost 100% accuracy that gravity exists. That's a totally different subject versus uh, taxes or trans issues or all of these different things. So Facebook is not being clear on their standards and not giving me the opportunity to understand what I can do and what I can't do. I could agree with you problem. to a point, but I also realize, okay, but they're not really required to because the agreement of you being there is that they can change the term of service wherever they want and really what they're doing it for and what all these companies is for capitalistic reasons because they're going to lose money if they don't do these things so the market is actually telling them we don't want this here so isn't it that a free market thing when the market says you know like if, if they want to change a mr potato head to just potato head that's the market saying we're not buying this product unless you do that so isn't that the free market telling these companies what i mean i don't feel like these companies are doing it out of the goodness of their heart i mean maybe they are i'm not saying that they're <laughs> evil for that either i mean there's plenty of reasons to think they're fucking evil trust me i'm just saying that like a lot of these companies are doing it because the market says we're not going to buy your fucking product unless you do it. it it doesn't really bother me much because if facebook becomes a problem for me i'll just stop using it now right. it's a it's a useful tool but people who try to act like facebook is all be all like if i can't use facebook it's the end of the world you better get right. creative because right. at the end of the day, uh, you didn't create Facebook. You didn't. You don't control what Facebook can and can't do. It's, it's just not the way it's supposed to be set up and it shouldn't be set up that way. But also, 
I do expect Facebook to be clear on what exactly is the product that they're selling. Right. That way I know if I want to buy in or if I want to opt out, which most companies do. If you go and buy a lawnmower or something like that, the terms are pretty clear. You give me X amount of money, I give you this lawnmower in exchange, it now belongs to you. Right. Facebook, this whole, I can change terms on you at any given time. Okay. I'm just going to say people give too much stock into Facebook. If you don't like the way Facebook is operating, get off of it, period. And that's how you control the market. Yeah, people, it's the same way that you were saying about Amazon. And the reason why I say that is, too, is because that's what actually happens to me on fucking Amazon. They changed the term of services so fucking quickly that literally I went from, like, being able to make a certain amount of money every month on my films. And then they changed it. And then they changed it again. And now I'm losing all this fucking money. And same with YouTube. You know what I mean? And it's just like, well, what the fuck? You, you know, I don't know what to, like, this is, so I kind of have the same problem. But it actually affects me financially. Mm -hmm. Because they changed the term. So I, I get the argument. You know what I mean? Because it, it's frustrating. Yeah. I'm like, well, what the fuck? But at the same time, I have a choice to go somewhere else. But it doesn't feel like I have a choice to go anywhere else. Because no one else goes anywhere else. If I put my film on some other website, most people don't even know what the fuck it is. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing when I brought up about people not caring enough about child slavery to not eat certain chocolates. Now, there are chocolates out there that don't come from child slavery. But... People are such hypocrites when they say they have a problem with something, but they're not willing to do what they can at the moment to help alleviate that problem. They, they just don't want to take responsibility. And I admit, it's kind of hard to do so because you feel like other people are not going to go along. Mm -hmm. um, but I personally think everybody should leave their parties. I don't think there should be Republicans or Democrats. Now, there should be Republican and Democrat people running for office. But me as a human being walking around saying I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, for what? Why do you have to pledge your allegiance to a party? Yeah, I agree you know? with that. Because I, I, I mean, even the yeah. Democrats, like, there's things I disagree with their fucking shit. And, like, I don't feel like I have a fucking party, bro. Like, it's like, it's like I probably consider myself more, you know, left progressive. But it sounds weird because I know a lot of progressives and leftists that don't like me either. And it's like... I just try to follow like where the ideas are. There's some ideas I'm still trying to figure out. Like, should we have more taxes or less taxes? I don't know. I really generally try to sit down. Like, I kind of have an idea, but I think people are so, they assume so much their position is right that they're like, okay, this is it, and I'm done with it. I'm like, there's some positions that I have that I'm like, I still don't know, even though I've studied it and studied it. I'm not like, there's, there's certain things that I'm like, well, maybe we need to figure these things out. You know what I mean? So I don't yeah. think there's a political party that actually fits me. It's just I got to pick between the less of two evils. And, you know, I think my biggest problem with the Republican Party is their anti-science shit. Like, number one. I mean, obviously I fight for social justice. It's important, too. But I'm probably not as fanatic as most social justice people are. Because there's some things I don't agree with the social justice movement. Now I'm fucking I don't about even... I don't like even this whole thing. Let me bring this up to you, what mean. you think about this. Because, actually, I okay. just had this conversation with Mesa. This whole thing on the left, when it comes to these people, like, language policing the shit out of things, that's the part that bothers me about the fucking left right now. Like, every fucking term is racist. Every term is, like, every word that comes out of somebody's mouth. Like, I just read this article on The Atlantic about, um, you can't say, hey, guys, because it's not inclusive. You know what I mean? Or you say this certain word. I was like, I can't remember every fucking word in the dictionary. Yet I'm 99.9% .9 on the side of social justice when I'm fighting for shit, okay? Because of this one fucking thing, I don't think is a big fucking deal. So I understand when Republicans get upset that the left is losing their mind on this 
culture war shit when it comes. I agree with that. That's what I'm saying. Like, even as a, I guess, leftist, I'm like, guys, this is not the fucking hill to die on. Like, you've brought up that term before. I'm like, really, are people that uh, fucking fragile that you, like, you can't even say, hey, guys anymore? Like, that's why I jump off the train. I jump off the train every time. You will not tell me what I can and cannot say because communication is so vital. It's so vital to figuring out things. I may be 100% wrong with everything that I said, but it may cause you to think a little different and figure out a solution. And all we have is communication. If we're ever going to get anywhere in a society, we have to communicate. And sometimes that guy who said the earth wasn't flat, he was the minority. He could have he could have been killed or maybe he was killed for saying, hey, I don't think the earth is flat. But nobody would have ever heard it if he didn't have the right to say it. Yeah, well, motherfuckers still think the earth is flat now. What do we do with those bitches? <laughs> we don't do anything with them. We don't do anything. We ignore them and we keep moving forward. <laughs> okay, but what if you can't ignore them, though? That's what I'm saying. Like, what? Okay, so what are your thoughts on QAnon? You think we should just ignore them? <laughs> I don't know enough about QAnon, honestly. Uh, I mean, fair enough. Like, you I, can get that there's you. some things that really bother me to the extent of, like, they, like, people are literally walking around thinking people are, like, you know, drinking people's blood, whatever. But the problem is when you start going into a pizza parlor wanting to kill somebody, right, because you think Hillary Clinton is, like, I don't like fucking Hillary Clinton. I don't need to defend that stupid, fu- I can't stand her. But I don't think she's a, a pedophile at, coming out of a pizza shop. And I'm not going to go in with a gun you know what I'm saying? Like, th- that's not fair to us as a society. That's the problem I have with Alex Jones, too. I don't care if someone has a different point of view. I, like, great. But when you're fucking causing people to be harassed at their fucking house, are you going to show up? Like, if you're going to show up at my motherfucking house, like, you know what I mean? You're going to walk away as fucking sliced cheese, dog. Because, you, you know, and, and people See, will threaten you over their beliefs. And that's where I have the problem. That's my problem with social justice. I was going to ask you, what do you mean by social justice? This term, social justice, it honestly makes no sense to me. Either there's justice or there isn't. Uh, well, we need I, a, Yeah, for yeah, me, gonna, it's, it's more about the, the, the things that have happened to people within our society that have been serious wrongs that have happened throughout society that have caused people to not have the proper justice. Because you're right, it is just justice. But it's the social, it's not, it's not criminal where we're talking about like, robbing people or like kidnapping or like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the justice in a social system. You know what I mean? So like, especially me as a white dude, you know what I mean? Like I don't face the same fucking things as a black guy in this country oftentimes. So I have to be aware of that and saying that, you know, I'm trying to fight for the real equality. Now I, I get that that gets taken. Like there's times I, I hear criticisms of the left and they take social justice too far. And I've, I've brought people on my old podcast. I've talked to people. I'm like, look, I do. There's some things that I think is batshit in social justice, but that's not my position either. You know what I mean? And I get attacked for that shit, dog. Like I've had people come to me saying, oh, cause you're a white guy you can't say this or i've had people attack me that like like in my film that i didn't have any black people in my film i was like i was making the film for the ideas you know what i mean like obviously you know i don't give a fuck <laughs> like i'm not racist at all and i'm like but like you fucking and it's always some other white person that wants to be fucking virtual signaling i'm like you're barking up the wrong fucking tree here I'm out here fighting for the same shit everybody else, and this is what you're fucking trying to t- like me, dog. So I get I get your guys' frustration. I get like conservatives' frustration because trust me, as a liberal, I get it. I'm like, bitches, who are you talking to? Like, figure out who your fucking enemies are. But 
when I'm talking about real social justice, I'm talking about the real things that have truly, genuinely hurt people in society or ways that systems have may have actually caused harm and just how do we solve the problems? Like realistic, how do we logically sit down and figure out what the real problems are, not imagine problems. I'm talking about we like don't. real problems and how do we solve we them? We don't. Logically. We, we don't. Sure we society, do. Society, sure we moves do. As, society moves at its own beat. We will no. solve them when the time arises. You can never force these things. Sure, you can. Everything in all, everything in life is force. It, it's you violence so? and force. Like everything that's evolved and changed has been from. If not, we would never have wars. We would. It's it's pressure that ch causes people to change more than anything. It, it is force. It's it's. There's a time for peace and negotiation too. I'm not going to say that there's not a time for that, but. If you think about the human species, it was force that caused a lot of the changes. I mean, when 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 Egyptians stopped believing in the sun god Ra, they were forced by a new religion to think a different way. You know? Yeah, I, but I, that's that's a force of nature. Like right, but it was still force. You don't Humans get to decide don't always with change the, without force. Yeah, but you don't get to decide when the other army marches onto your front doorstep. That that's something completely out of the Egyptians' control. It just nature took its course, and that's where that's where it took. You don't have that moment until that moment arises. For example, um, slavery ended when it did based on the circumstances around it. There were people who wanted to abolish slavery much earlier than slavery was actually abolished. And they knew that they lived in a society that just wasn't prepared for that type of revolution. Or, you know, it. there are certain things like uh, certain technological advances that we just don't get where we are until somebody invents it. And then it changes society completely. Birth control, for example, you don't have it until you do. And then that completely changes the playing field and it changes the solutions or we have a whole new other problems to deal with. You just can't force birth control to exist. You have to, somebody has to have the idea and be able to pull it off. And then you're just by sheer luck to be born in a society where we have birth control. Yeah, but don't um, you also think that it's also enough suffering happens that causes people and forces them to change? Because most of the things we have, like medicine, most everything we do as humans is either most of progress is to change suffering. I mean, whether it's medicine, whether it's social justice, whether it's, you know, having a, a, a better, more comfortable bed. You know what I mean? Like if your bed's shitty, you're suffering. You're like, I need a better bed. Like, you know, yeah, you wear clothes. Cause it's, so when you're, when you're uncomfortable enough uncomfortability forces change and that's usually when it comes from that type of force that force of nature comes from and especially as humans we are very uncomfortable creatures you know what i mean and and so that is what usually i think drives innovation and competition is that fear and that force so it usually is that that does it i mean what other let me, force let me give you an example let me give you an example if a thousand years ago coronavirus hit you don't just force a vaccine. The technology doesn't exist. You don't live in a society where the people can communicate in a way to pull that type of mass um, pool of resources together to make it work. That each individual who played a crucial role in creating that one thing that plays a bigger part in all the other things that other individuals contributed. You know, the whole medical field is comprised of all these small accomplishments that led up to the point where we can create a vaccine for COVID-19. Right. You don't force that. That's by sheer happenstance that we live in 2021 when the COVID when COVID hit. If it would have happened a thousand years ago, I don't care how much you're trying to force it, you can't create a vaccine. The conditions just don't exist for you to be able to do so. 
But you would and, still be forced to make a decision. You would still be forced to do something else, even if it wasn't the vaccine. You would still forced to quarantine yourself. You'd still be forced to do a lot of other things, even if you didn't have the vaccine. That's what I'm saying. Even if the end result isn't the same of a vaccine, you're still forced to do something to resolve the suffering and the problem. What you have the luxury to do. Or what you can do, because that's what survival is. Because survival of the fittest is like either do it or die. It, 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 like evolution doesn't give a shit. It's like either figure it out or fucking die. All species have to deal with it. They're forced to have to deal with their environment. If not, they're dead. I mean, it's not like, you know, like I'm going to hang out for a while and wait for this to fix it. You know what I mean? So, yes, the vaccine is off of the backs of years of discovery, but those years of discovery were forced in each iteration to solve a problem. It's the same thing when like, people that were having kids were dying all the time in the, what was it, like 1800s or something? And mm -hmm. they couldn't figure it out, but there was enough suffering going on that they're like, we need to figure this out. And they figured out, well, it was actually the hand washing. People were having surgeries, not washing their hands. They didn't know. And they walked over to the you know birthing tables. And so enough of that forces you to think, how do I solve the problem? Because that's why we're problem solving creatures. We're trying to, we're forced into solving problems sometimes, whether we like it or not. Like right now, my fucking stupid goddamn computer today didn't want to fucking work. I was forced to figure out another solution. Is this the best solution right now? No, but I was forced to, I didn't want to do this. This wasn't like, you know what Maybe I mean? Maybe we can but like, make a compromise. Maybe we can make a compromise. I'll say this. Uh, when... Uh, some problems can't be solved until we reach a certain point in society. There are just problems we just can't fix at the moment. Um, we won't be able to fix them until other advances are made. It's just like the abortion problem. You got people who are anti-abortion. Um, you got people who are pro-choice. And me personally, I feel like if people spend as much time as they do arguing about it instead of trying to actually fix the whole point of abortion in the first place, we'd be much further. But we just don't live in a society at the point where we can fix that problem. And people have been arguing about it for years and years and years. But somebody is going to be smart enough to figure out, oh, we don't have to do abortions anymore. We can remove the egg or the fetus or whatever and grow it in a tube or something and we can cure abortions altogether. Or we would get birth control is so effective that we will never have to worry about an unwanted pregnancy that every woman can possibly have. Do you think Christians would go for that, though? I guess so. The problem that I still have is I could agree with you, but then there's still going to be people that are like, well, that's still life. You're still killing life. They'll be against the, like, how do you deal with those people? You don't. You don't. You ignore them. And you keep moving forward. I mean, what else? I mean, the only, look, I'm gonna be honest. The only proper solution for certain things is to get rid of certain people. And if you ain't willing to get rid of them, you just gotta deal with them. I agree, but 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 again, <laughs> how would, how do we do that without? Because like again, I feel that way. Like Governor Abbott just did this in Texas. He passed an abortion bill that if the Supreme Court overturns it, he's gonna allow abortion again. So what do, what do I do as a liberal? Even like that's what I'm trying to get at. There's some people that I feel are you got to get rid of some of these people more. It's more socially. I think, I think the problem I have with Republicans is more the social aspect. Cause I think all the other fiscal financial response, even some of the social stuff, I think we could probably work out if we got to the core of it, even abortion, See, you can I'm, get to the core of why this happens and try to figure out other ways. It's just, but I feel like the political leaders, I mean, even in the democratic party, there are people that are not getting the underlying pro It's the same thing with guns real quick. And this is my argument when it comes to fucking guns half the time that I it is true. Guns don't kill people. People are the ones that kill other people. I think the problem that is, is that 
the access to being, I think that the animal instinct to kill people is there. It's just when you, when the tools are much more accessible, they're more likely to use that. But it doesn't mean that I think that you have to, well, here, but here's my argument though. I don't All think right. it even has to do with the accessibility of it. I think you should get to the core of why are people so angry that they feel the need to go out and shoot people? Why do they, like get to the underlying core of you the anger. And the emotional regulation, you know what I mean? Like, because there's an underlying problem underneath all of it. So even yes. if I, I, I was like, I, I get what people are making the argument with saying, but at the same time, I'm also like, look, I can take a car and ram somebody and kill them too. You're not going to ban all cars. But people will say, well, car's not a, a, not a weapon. I agree. But if you don't get to the core of why someone needs to kill somebody, okay, no. and you don't get to the core of why anger and emotional regulation is happening, it doesn't matter what, dude, it doesn't matter. I can come up with any reason to kill somebody for any fucking reason. And yeah. if you're, and, but why do you carry a gun? What? Cause this is what I, so this is what I'll ask you and conservatives. And I don't want you, I don't want you to think you have to speak for all conservatives. I don't want to put you in that position, but yeah, I got you. the question I have is, you know, I, I consider myself to be pretty liberal in guns, but I'm not saying liberal like left. I'm saying I, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty, I, I believe the right to carry an AR 15 and weapons responsibly and shit like that. But the thing is, is that if I'm carrying a weapon, I'm doing it to protect myself, right? Most of the time I'm doing it to protect my life and my family. Mm -hmm. But why do I need to protect my wife and my family? What's going on there? So why am yeah. I not trying to create a society where I'm less inclined to need a gun? Now, there, there's always gonna be a point where I'm probably gonna have to. I don't think humans are all gonna change. But making less of that is far more important to me. So why am I not creating systems that cause less of that shit? That cause a lesser reason for someone to break into my motherfucking house or wanna shoot <laughs> me in the fucking street. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, because if, it go, it goes if not, then I'm going to start shooting some of you motherfuckers, too. Like, then I'm not any dirt. You know what I mean? Like, it's just we have to understand what are we protecting ourselves from? And if we don't get to that core of who we are as humans and why we're doing that, you're right. We're just going to argue over gun control, non-gun control. We're, we're just at the surface level arguing Band-Aid bullshit when we're not getting to the core of a human psyche. Yeah. And another thing is I don't want to cure all of humans' problems because... I think boredom in itself is a problem that humans suffer from. Uh, we need something to work towards. We need solutions to fight, to find, or whatever the case may be. I don't want to just cure all ailments of all humans because as soon as you cure one person's ailment, you're probably causing another problem for somebody else. Uh, and that's how economics work. It's all about trade-offs and how to control resources and all these different things. When it comes to the gun issue, uh, I don't. I like guns not just to protect myself and my family. I just think they're pretty pretty cool, um, personally. And also, if I happen to be taking a walk in the park and a bear comes out and tries to maul me to death, I will also want to shoot the bear. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's not just against humans. And um, the third thing I would say, final thing on the gun issue is, um, I don't really think mental health or anger is really... It doesn't have that much weight when it comes to people doing school shootings and all of that stuff. Let me ask you this. If it's really emotional anger, how come nobody ever goes shoot goes and shoot up a gun range? They never um, go shoot up a gun range because everybody in that mug is scrap. They well, all got guns. But I do think it is mental health, and I do think it is anger, even though it's not all mental health, because I agree there's other parts of the world that has mental health issues. Not everyone goes out and kills people either. I think that... Well, first off, they know that when they go into a gun range, first off, what's the purpose? And they know that the odds are stacked against them. It's why it's easier to go into a school. I mean, think exactly. about it. Like, 
I think you're probably fucking retarded if you walk into a gun store thinking like, what are you gonna like, like, but do it, like, I like do it, like you're gonna. And I don't do it though. You know what I mean? But that could be one of the reasons why. I think they're more likely to go to a place where they're easier targets. They're more likely to get the attention needed because most of these. My theory is most of the time, I think people do this is because they've given up the empathy and compassion for people because they've become so hurt. Now people take that out in different ways. You know, some people become abusive. Some people get addicted to drugs. Some people are so isolated and so whatever from society that their brains are no longer functioning properly and they're becoming less empathetic. And I think what happens is that they perceive society as a threat. And that's the only way for them to deal with that actual threat, real or imagined. We, we do this with a lot of things. I mean, how many times we've been at a bar and we think some fucking dude's looking cross-eyed at us and we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And they're like, I was just looking at the dartboard. You know what I mean? Like, we perceive a lot of things wrong in our own minds. Yeah. And what happens is when you start to become isolated and you start to let that kind of impulsivity and that, because a lot of these guys, have, it's been building up for a long time. It's not like it's it was extreme. just like overnight. Yeah, and it's so, extreme nihilism. That's what yeah. it becomes. Yeah. Um, nothing matters. Nothing matters. And what does it matter if I go in here and kill these 20 people versus exactly. me dying of old age? When I, when I die, I'm dead. It, nothing I did matters. Ultimately, we're all going to die anyway. I mean, you have to reach a certain form of extreme nihilism to make the decision that you're going to go in and kill a whole bunch of people with no remorse. Um, you have to deduce human value down to the point where it's like pulling a leaf out of the ground out of a tree or something um I, I really think that is and of course it's mental health i would not say it's not anything to do with mental health but it's rational mental health because that's why they never go into a gun range to shoot up the gun range right. um i've never heard a story like that maybe it has happened before but i don't really hear of it and well, well also you got to remember some of these shootings are specific to the reasoning why, like they shoot up a workplace yeah. or they shoot. I mean, I know there are schools and there's, you know, to get the attention too, but I agree with you. Like, why don't they, but you also have to remember this is years and years and years of programming. They could have had, you know, parents that were abusive. They could have been environments where they were completely like, we're talking about years of programming that build your worldview that could even started as kids as, as they gotten older, their worldview has you know, this is what happens with terrorists oftentimes, you know, like a lot of times an ideology, it's like a disease. It starts to get in your head and you start to, you know, the, the humans are really good at being able to de-empathize. And if people think, well, that wouldn't be me. I'm like, well, then why do genocides happen? Because genocides mm -hmm. can happen to any group of society at any moment, at any given time. It, could, it can, you could be a doctor at a well-placed job who love your kids. And next thing you know, you're out there killing your neighbors. That's, this has been proven over and over when it comes to humans. So we have to be careful when we think, oh, us versus them. Like, oh, I would never do that. I'm like, but you don't know the, the, the mentality that person's been through their entire life. You may have not. I mean, there's so many variables. Not to excuse it, because I don't excuse shit, right? But if genocides can happen to the average person, what's to stop someone losing that same empathy? I mean, we're already dehumanizing people now. I could see a genocide happening in this fucking country. You know what I mean? So what's the difference between one person doing it and thousands of people doing it in a genocide? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and this is something I thought about earlier when we was talking. Um, when I we was talking about the part that we have to play, that we have some, we have to bear some guilt in all of this. And a lot of people are trying to avoid their part that they're playing in this whole thing. Um, and just like Nazi Germany, for example, we don't know every person in Hitler's army could have wanted to kill Hitler. It's possible, right? Let's say. Most of Hitler's soldiers and inner circle wanted him dead. 
What's the only thing stopping them from killing Hitler? Each other. Each yeah. other. Yeah. They keeping each other in check, and they could all want him dead, but nobody knows that the other guys want him dead. So they're all keeping each other hostage in this situation. And a lot of times we live in a society where everybody's afraid to be that one person to step out of the crowd because they yeah. feel like nobody will have their back. Yeah. But it can backfire as well because some people think they're the hero in the story when they're really the villain. Mm-hmm. So some people think, I'm standing up for justice, I'm standing up for truth, and you're really the idiot in the situation. And mm-hmm. this whole hero syndrome where everybody feels like they have the truth, and if everybody would just listen to them, they got it all figured out. We have a lot of that in America. A lot of that in America. A lot of people feel like they got life figured out. You're not telling me a college student knows more about how to run the country than all of the politicians that we currently have in our government. But yet they will go out and literally say everything that they feel with the 100% conviction as if they got it all figured out. But do you think there are some truths that are true? I mean, going back to the whole abortion thing, you said, well, we have to ignore people. Do the the anti-abortion people have the truth? I am... I am uh, pro-life. I, I'm, I'm against abortion. Right. Me, myself, personally. Right. Um, which, but I have to understand the position that I'm in. I don't think there is anything that's necessarily true. I think, of course, there is truth in the world. There are uh, fundamental, objective truths. At least, I, I'm tempted to say that because I tend to look at things if they are effective or not. I don't see truth as because we could be living in a simulation or something like that. God damn but, it. I wanted to get to that conversation. We're, I know we're running out of time. I don't know how much time you have, but I want to get to that <laughs> simulation thing. Maybe we could, I don't know if we have time to do it, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah let's see if we can get into it. Um, maybe this is a segue into it, but uh, there is nothing necessarily true. Everything is just um, whatever it is in that moment that arises to the occasion. And um, like the most enlightened um, abolishes, uh, the slave abolishes, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, the person who wanted to abolish slavery, the most righteous one, maybe back in slavery times, could be considered a horrible racist today. Mm-hmm. You know, so truth can be expedient. It can be whatever you need it to be at the time, or whatever accomplishes whatever goal that you're trying to get done. Do you think there is objective truth? Yes. We're going down the rabbit hole now. This is the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, What is it? Do you think there's objective truth? There has to be an objective truth. The only issue is we will never know if we know it or not. Because our senses can be fooled. We already know that there are people who see things that everybody else doesn't see. We already know that the color spectrum, we can't see with our naked eye the way that it really is. There are so many things that we can be fooled by. All our life and experience is basically input from to our brain. Our brain has to decipher what it wants. So all of this could just be an imagination. It, it could all just be in my brain. And if the, the brain, brain says the it's battery, real, right? yeah, if the brain says it's real, then it's real to you. And you have to participate in whatever world that you live in to the most effective, uh, in the most effective way. But how do you know when something is true? I don't think you could ever have, you could ever truly know anything because you could always question, how do I know what I know? Right, like Descartes, uh, but he thinks, I think therefore I am. The fact that he thinks, 
he the, the act of thinking gives him the proof that he exists. Do you agree with that? <laughs> That's very good. But also, I would question, uh, what's a thought? <laughs> like, really, what is a thought? Um, Electrical signals, chemical reactions. That's it. Yeah. Um, so what's reality then? So then that's the real truth is how do we ever know what reality is? How do we define reality? And that's that's the thing. We could be living in reality, but I can never know for sure. And I never will. I could die tomorrow. And let's say there's a God and that God brings me into heaven and introduces me to all the people that I ever known in my life that died and passed and went away. How am I supposed to ever know for a fact that somebody just didn't hook me up to a machine and make this all seem real to me? Mm-hmm. You would how never... do we know that God really actually loves us? Because he could have made a book thinking, oh, I want you to love me, but he's actually a fucking demon wanting you to believe that there's a God that exists. People don't get that. They're like, oh, I just believe in God. I'm like, how do you know right now? This is why I tell people. How do you know right now that I didn't make this fucking program and you all are living in my simulation right now? Yeah, you have like no evidence to fucking any more than what God is. Exactly. You can never know. Like to live is to question everything. And which which is which is which is beautiful. Like the whole Bible or all the religion could just be one big prank. Like Satan could be God's brother and God got a good sense of humor. He's like, I'm gonna turn everybody against you. And I'm <laughs> like we look, it's it would be foolish for ants to contemplate what humans think of. Who am I to ever even begin to try to contemplate what a higher knowledge would think of or feel or want or need. It's arrogance. I'm not I'm just not that arrogant. And a lot of times religious people make atheists out to seem arrogant. And maybe some atheists are, but I'm humble. I am so ignorant that I could not even begin to fathom. I don't even know how my toilet works. I'm gonna tell you who created the universe. Like <laughs> That's that's a level of arrogance. You, I don't even begin to understand that amount of arrogance. But I you could find out, though, right? I mean, even if you don't know how the toilet works, you could test it to figure out how it works because you know that it works because mm-hmm. when you flush it, you know, you know what I mean? It's not like it breaks yeah. up in a thousand pieces or like... So there are some things we can know, even if we're in a simulation, right? Which I don't actually think we are. But if we were... There's still rules that confine the simulation, right? Like but I can't. You are just, in the simulation. I don't think so. You have to be. No, I don't think so. Let me let me explain to you why you're in the simulation. We already can prove that what you see as reality is not the true reality. We can agree to that, right? Uh, to some, to to our our visual senses, like our senses. Yes. Everything, everything, how what you feel, like. For example, I'm sitting on this desk right now. There's no way I can perceive that this is just matter in motion. Our brain makes shortcuts all the time, all the time, because the brain is not designed to show you reality. It's designed to help you survive. Right. So everything is geared towards your survival, not towards understanding reality, which is why we need telescopes and all of these different things to try to understand what the true reality is. But your life is an illusion. Your brain is telling you what it needs to for you to best survive in this world. But you're not living in the real world. It's an illusion. But even in that world, even if you were to, even if I was to give you that premise, 
you can't manipulate this reality to whatever you want to do. You can't just stick your hand through an entire desk. When I, I can't just teleport automatically to where you're sitting right now. I'm still confined to the rules of this reality. And so something is governing these rules because even if I'm perceiving it as something, there's still something objective that's saying at the moment, until I figure out how to teleport to you, there's a, there's a rule that's not allowing me to do that. So even in that instance, there is a reality to it. And but the, yeah, like I said, the, the rules change. But do they? Like, I mean, they do, but yeah. they don't. Yeah, for like example, a thousand years ago, you can't tell me that you're going to put me 500,000 feet in the air or 5,000 feet up in the air. You're not, you're not going to tell me that. That's impossible. That's not how reality works. It, the, nature dictates that it, it, it doesn't work. It's not even fathomable. I can't even fathom it. Fast forward to the day. You got hundreds and hundreds of people in a metal box flying through the air, getting from place to place. But Rea why? the rules of reality changes. No, no, you no. You just don't know how no. to hack the rules yet. No, the rules of reality didn't change. You had to learn the rules to be able to use them because even flying a plane, you had to understand what the rules were. You always had to go back to the nature of reality and saying, because many people tried to fly and they didn't. They've been trying. It's once they understood the rules that they were able to fly. So they're the still, it's not the rules change. It's just you figured out the rules to be able to figure out how to do that. Because a plane is only working around the natural laws of reality. Because if it wasn't, it'd fail like anything else fails. Think about it, right? It, nothing really changed. It's not that we couldn't have always flew. We just figured it out later. The, 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 the universe hadn't changed. The rules of the laws of physics and reality did not change from the time we figured out flying. It's just our understanding of that yes, was yes, developed. And we, we were able to manipulate reality to get it. But reality in itself never changed. Yeah, but we're, we're talking about two things at the same time. And that's why it's important. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is your reality is based on the world that your brain is telling you exists. In the mind of somebody a thousand years ago, the rule is you cannot fly. That's the rule. Because in their reality, their brain is telling them everything about this world that we live in, the rule is you cannot fly. Now, what I'm telling you is we rewrote the rules. The brain acquired a new hack to the system. So now kids grow up just accepting the fact that we can fly. It's not even to be questioned. To them, it ain't even a rule. So when I say rule, I'm not saying that the laws of physics change. What I'm right. telling you is how we interpret the world changes. And therefore... Right. But the objective world doesn't change. Well, we don't know that either. As far as we know right now. Yeah, as far as we know. But the only way to understand what it was like to be a, th a thousand years ago is to truly live a thousand years ago. Now, how can you truly measure what people could do a thousand years ago? You, you really can't. Well, no you matter can. how. Yeah, you can. You, you think you can. But this, this ties back into the whole idea of how do you trust your own senses? How do you trust the, 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 the tool that we use to measure anything? You are a victim of your human biology. There are animals who can do things we just can't do. And right. you have to believe in the process of your human biology to accept anything as true. 
And I'm just not, not willing to accept that. Not necessarily. Because if you smell a chemical gas, you don't have to believe any your 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 body's already adapting to its natural environment. There's a lot of things your senses do. Like you don't have to believe when you put your hand on a fire, your hand's automatically gonna retract that. That's not a belief system. That's an actual response that has been developed to the reality. Not all yours, even though I get what you're saying about the senses, because I used to think the same thing, but there are some senses that if they weren't correct, we would be dead. Think about it. Like if 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 the senses were always lying to us. Our hands would burn in fire, and we would we would we would die, or we walk off a cliff, or whatever. There's senses that do work, and there's a reason no, why we have senses. That, that 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 proves my point. The brain wants you to survive. It has geared you in a way to survive. If you felt no pain, if the brain didn't tell you that your hand was in fire, you would burn your hand. Exactly. So you can rely on your senses, is what I'm saying. Yes, they can be deceived. For survival. For but right, but that's what I'm trying to say. There are parts of your senses that if they didn't work, you wouldn't be alive. So. That because I used to think that too. I was like, well, how do you ever rely on your senses? I'm like, but if I didn't rely on my senses, I wouldn't be able to get from point A to point B. I wouldn't be able to eat. I wouldn't be. I mean, there's so many things I wouldn't be able to do. Now, could that information be misinterpreted? Like maybe when I look at a pizza, it's not actually a pizza. Maybe, but whatever that is, even if I'm visualizing it different, I'm still responding to it, and it still affects me. No matter what my belief is about the pizza, no matter what it is, maybe you see a pizza different than me, but whatever that object is in an objective reality, you and me are interacting with it. We have the same consequences, right? If you and me walked out in the street and we both saw a different type of bus, as long as we saw something and we both moved out of the way, we're not going to get hit by it. But no matter what we believed about that bus, if we don't move, we're going to die. So our senses right, let me, are reliable. Let, let, me, let me give you an example. How do you know you don't die every day and be reborn? How do you know? Well, what's your definition of dying? Let, let's say that you went out and you got hit by that bus. Mm -hmm. But let's say that when you got hit by that bus and died, it split, it split the um, it split the uh the timeline, or it created another reality. Whereas you didn't get hit by the bus, so you continue carrying on with your life as if you didn't get hit by the bus. But that other you is dead, and every day you die from something, but you don't know any better. You just keep living as if you didn't die. So we're going from the world of philosophy now into science. So the question is, is what evidence we have to support that? Because we can make a philosophical argument with, I could say the same thing about unicorns. I could be like, well, how do I not know that there's unicorns on another planet? Technically, I can't. But what science is there to provide me to believe that that is the hypothesis? Because I can make... Science infinite. is not... Science can't prove objective truth. All science can do is give you probabilities. Right. And science is about being effective in the reality that we perceive that we inhabit. That's all science can do. So, so what probability is there that if I get hit by a bus that a different timeline... Like, what evidence even supports that, I guess, is the question that we that's know the, of. That's, that's the problem. How do you even know we have the tools to ever even be able to detect something of that sort? You don't. Could I say the same thing created. that if I get hit by a bus, I turn into a god? I could say the same thing. You I could. Make inf no, but, that, but that's what I'm saying. Just because something could as a possibility doesn't mean it would. Because no, then I can have... Not. I can have if it, I could say as soon as I get hit by a bus, I turn into Javier, right? Like there's there's many infinite possibilities, but it doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean yeah, that. Yeah, of course it, not. Of so course not. I'm not where do we draw true. that line? You don't draw the line because we just don't know what we don't know. And I think what Neil deGrasse Tyson said this, and I think somebody else quoted it, but he got it from somewhere else. But it says um, there are things that I know I don't know, 
and there are things uh, I I know I know, and then there are things that I don't know I don't know, and right. the things I don't know I don't know is so vastly bigger than the rest. Mm-hmm. So I don't know we can fly until somebody builds an airplane and put us in the freaking sky. I just don't know that. I don't even know that I don't know. To me, it's just impossible. So if somebody came out a hundred years, a thousand years from now and discovered alternate realities and could prove this, here you are in 2021 saying, well, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. And all I'm doing is positing the fact that I don't trust my limited brain to tell me anything about reality because I just don't know what I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Like, but you trusted enough. Arrogant. You trusted enough to not stick it in a fire. You trusted enough not to walk off a bridge. You trusted no, enough no, no, when no, you're no. driving. I trusted enough to be effective in the reality that I perceive is real. Right. So in that reality that you perceive to be real, there's still a construct for that, right? Like even if your brain in the vat, this reality, I say it's the matrix. Say we're in the matrix. We're still following a set of rules, so we would still want to study and know what these. Because I'm still being affected in this reality, so there would still be truths within this reality, whether it's real or not. Correct? I could never call them objective, but I would say it's true enough. And I think this was the whole debate that Sam Harris and um, Jordan Peterson had about what is truth. I don't know if you actually heard that discussion, but it's true enough to be effective, and that's all that matters. Which mm-hmm. is. Because if you're talking to a nihilist, I don't believe the universe has any ultimate purpose. I don't believe anything has any purpose at all. I don't either. But I inhabit a world where it seems to be most effective to go along and get along because I find pleasure in it. I'm here. It seems to be working. Why not just go along and be a part of this whole thing? So um, I just... There are people like Q QAnon or the people you said, like to them or to you, they look crazy. To you, to them, you look crazy, right? Yeah, and they do. They think I'm the fucking crazy one. I'm like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> So just based on that, you are already living on a planet with other human beings who think wildly different things than you do. Right. Are you really finna sit here and tell me you trust the human mind? Yeah, I still do. I, I but I, I I understand it enough to know that it can be deceived, and so I trust because if you completely couldn't trust it, you wouldn't be able to do anything. Literally, you wouldn't be able to tie your shoes. There is a level of trust that I have because obviously, you know, I'm 43 years old. I made it through life. If not, I would have died. If I didn't trust some sort of senses, I wouldn't be able to know to eat. So um, now, whether or not this is a true reality or not can be even if even if I'm a brain in the vat. There's an objective reality that I'm in a vat, right? I, whether I can prove that or not, I don't know. But you're right. There are people that live in completely alternate realities. My premise has always been, even when I made my film, that people are deceived by reality and we should be better at trying to understand it. So even if we don't know it 100%, there are reliable things that we do do in our society that causes um, uh, what is it? Course, actions and consequences. So, for example... I can't just imagine I can go to the fucking moon or pretend I can just fly to the moon. I have to understand something about this reality, whether it's a fucking matrix or not, to build a machine to get me to go to that. I have to understand whatever this simulation is, even if it's a simulation, in order to accomplish something. There are consequences for it. And every species and every system that exists within this system 
abides by this. I, I'm like you. I don't believe there's any meaning or purpose. I think this is just what's worked. You know, this yeah. is like a virus doesn't know that it's a virus, you know, but people will say, well, that's a very cold and dark way of looking at the world. I'm like, I don't think it is because it allows me to choose the meaning and purpose of my own life. I don't need a deity or a spiritual guru to tell me. I'm like, does it make spending time with my wife any less enjoyable? Does it take having a good conversation with someone like you any less enjoyable? No. You know what I mean? Like, even if there's no meaning, I'm finding meaning and purpose and just asking these questions. I may never know, yeah. but it's still interesting. But how do you know we won't know? How do you know that you and me won't have enough conversations that all of a sudden we're like, oh, shit, we just thought of something new that no one's ever thought about? Like, that would be yeah. fucking really cool. I would love that. But, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, we don't know that we won't know either. Like, we're assuming that we'll never know. And it's like, well, we didn't know we could fly. Like you said, we figured out we could. So, I don't think we could ever know. And maybe Philosophically, you're right. I don't think because you can always question it. You, you can always it's, it could be a ghost in the machine. You just will never tr this is like for people who say there's a God, right? I can never rule out that there's no, me personally. I can never say no God because that's arrogance as well. I just don't yeah. know enough about let alone the planet I live on, let alone the universe I inhabit and all of the different galaxies. It's just, it's beyond me. I can never 100% say there is no God. I'm not that arrogant. But now when people start to describe a personal God and say, my God is this way and that way, and, you know, he wants this and want that, then I can start getting into, yeah, I'm not buying that one. But yeah. the the reason that, a lot of people need something to believe in. Uh, I, I enjoy being a nihilist because of the simple fact it doesn't have to mean anything like you said. It doesn't. It doesn't. There doesn't have to be a grand narrative. And then when you get to that grand narrative, then what's the grand narrative of that? People say, oh, we'll die, we'll go to heaven, and we'll be God for eternity. Okay, what's the purpose for that? Exactly. Oh, to make God happy. Well, why? What's the purpose of that? I mean, you like, can what are we doing ask, sitting there playing fucking harps for the rest of our fucking lives in white robes? Like, I, that sounds like hell to me, dog. Like, I don't want to sit there just like with, and think about all these people we have on this planet. I'm sorry. Like, I always want the best for the human race, but there's a lot of motherfuckers I don't ever want to see again. Imagine spending the rest of my motherfucking life with half of you. Fuck you, bitches. I don't give a fuck. Like, no, I'm not playing harps with half you fuckers for the rest of my eternal life, that. dog. I was thinking about that. I was like, if there's a heaven, I do not want to be there with most of the people that. I come across in the world. Like. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> dog. That's like, I mean, dude, even people you care about, you got to have some time for yourself, right? You know what I mean? Like, and imagine spending your eternal life with all these people. Like, I don't even like you motherfuckers in the store when you fucking cut me off in traffic. And when you, so like all of a sudden now we're all going to be, like, think of all the problems we have on Facebook, yeah, dog. And these yeah, people right now news, are all going to be in one place all like, oh, but we now we love each other. Fuck, right? Yeah, 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 give yeah, me a break. You haven't heard the good news, though. You haven't heard the good news. Oh yeah, what 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 news is that? <laughs> you wouldn't desire. It's fake any news, that dog. That's what it is. It ain't good news. It's fake news. What the fuck? You wouldn't want any of that in heaven. <laughs> dog, we gotta have these conversations more. I, I'm gonna wrap this up because I know we're getting kind of logged, but I just want I want to encourage people to check out our show because I think we'll, we end up having you know a lot more of these type of conversations and stuff on our show. We got a brand new podcast. I know we went a little long today, but it was a really great conversation. Two sides, one coin. Um, is there some place we want to point them to now? I, I'm going to put the link for sure in the description below on this video. So once we have it going, which should be really soon here, 
if you guys are watching this later, uh, video later on in the future and you made it this far in the video, um, click on the link below in this video. We'll have you directed to go there. We're going to have some more great conversations. I'm really, really looking forward. What's your, what's your thoughts on the, the, for the rest of our show? On the, on oh, this yeah. Uh, look, you can't look at that picture and say, and this is the first time I'm a curse on his show. He does enough cursing for the both of us. Right. But that's a badass picture right there. And we're going to have a badass conversation on the two sides, one coin. And you got a taste of it. Look, we could, we could do this for hours and hours and not mm. get tired. So um, I, I definitely look forward to it. Man, I had a great time on your show. And like I say, for the two sides, one coin, we haven't set a date yet, but it will be soon. All I ask is that you stay tuned to the Ben Farmer Jr. show. Come over if you haven't already. Uh, be a member of the Hobby Lobby at the Javier Javier show, J-A-V-I-E-R. Make sure you spell it twice. And uh, we'll keep you updated. So stay tuned. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And definitely check that out. I'll, I will have Javier's links in the description below. You could check out, obviously, his YouTube channel with the Javier show. Follow him. He's a smart dude. I know we come from different sides, but obviously you can see here we have we could have gone on for like, this is probably the longest podcast I've had in a while. And I literally could have just kept going for another hour and a half. And that's great. But now we have an entire you know, podcast where we'll be able to talk to you guys in the same way. So if you guys really like that kind of stuff, make sure you check us out there and uh, we'll go from there. But Javier, again, thanks, buddy. Thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. I'm really looking Not forward to the podcast with you and shit. Not a problem. I got some bad news for you before I get off. Uh, nobody's listening anymore. We've been on too long. <laughs> yeah, oh, well. But, uh, hey, maybe. as long as we're listening, maybe that's all that fucking matters, dog. But you never yeah. know. There could be people that, that go all the way to the end. You never. I mean... This will yeah, be here true. for years. We never know what's going to happen. That's the thing, you they, know. They so. make it to the end of this. They a real one. They a real one. Yeah, they watched yeah. Joe Rogan this long, motherfuckers. You watch our asses, motherfuckers. Shit, so. <laughs> true that. True that. All right, brother. I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, definitely enjoy this conversation. And maybe I'll post it on my channel because this was really good. Cool. Right on. I appreciate it. So stand by for me real quick. I'm going I'm to lead them out of the show here real quick. So, guys, that is our show. If this is your first time being here today, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe. And, again, make sure you check out the Javier Javier show and our links below in the description. And uh, we'll be back again next week. I'm doing broadcast live now on Thursdays. We moved over to Thursdays. So if this is your first time here. And, uh, yeah, peace out. All right, so stand by for me real quick.